You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Forest. I'm your host, Kevin lemon Stebro. I always said I love doing these after wins. Um, they're obviously not necessarily fun after losses. And you know, if you haven't noticed, Wake Forest lost 77-72 in Pittsburgh on Wednesday the game, the second half of that game was rough, but I, but I honestly think the discourse around it has been even more rough. It's been, it's been brutal. And I'm going to talk about, you know, kind of how I've seen this discourse go on before I get into the game, because I thought we've been kind of past like the whole same old week four sort of stuff, both on the court and also with the sentiment of it. No one, no one can tell you how to be a fan. Like no one's gonna, no one should be able to say, "Hey, look, right after a loss, you should be happy, go lucky, all this different stuff." You know, you shouldn't find you, when you lose, you, you find a way to lash out and say, "Okay, look, I'm gonna say this, this, this." I need to get my frustrations and emotions out. Being that's, you know, if you're a fan of sports, you're a fanatic. You're not reasonable at that, at that point in time. The further away we get from that, the more down to earth you should come and that's both on the people that are you know unabashedly just you know so optimistic that it's like look we're gonna go undefeated we're gonna figure this out everything's gonna be perfect it's fine and it goes the same way for people that are just you know the sentiment that i've seen that we're not gonna win another road game or you know big forest is gonna completely crumble the rest of the way through and also if either of these are you none of these are personal things i want to make i always want to make that person like Perfectly clear. Nothing is meant to be an attack at any specific person or human being. This is just a you know, stuff I've seen. I've responded to. I see it. I'm going to address it. But it's not meant to be anything personal. I don't want anyone to ever think that this is going to be specifically at you. But the further away you get from from you know that game, whether high, whether low, you know you got to come back down to earth. You, you come back down and go, all right, how do I be realistic about this? And honestly, if you want to sit here and, you know, you start things off by saying, hey, look, I know I'm being unreasonable, but on either side of it, I, I got it. I have to respect it. I respect that. And I prefer that way more. I think that's more of what people should do, because if you're going, if you're sitting here being honest with me, being honest with yourself and like, look, I know I'm being unreasonable with what I'm about to say. 
it's a lot better received and people know how to handle it more to be quite honest like because you because we're like, like cool i understand you know that you're being unreasonable what you're about to say that's fine we can work with that but if you're just kind of going in headstrong and just like i'm just gonna like say this like like come on like you're you're inviting people to respond in a either irrational way or in the same amount of aggression that you're going to put out. That's why I think word choice and how things are phrased very much does matter because the same, whatever you put out, you should expect back. If you put out being very angry, very pushbacky, people are going to push back with that same level of intensity with you, which is kind of how that works. So, you know, how you say stuff and what you say does, does matter in terms of how people respond to you. Right now, I mean, this team is limited. Like, it's I, it's not a bad team. Like, it, like, I'm very much have been a ma. Look, let's look in the middle, see. That's usually where the truth is. There's two sides of something, and the third is where it usually lands. You know, somewhere in the middle. This is a limited team. They have hit the point to where I was afraid of in the preseason, which is. Uh, my one of my biggest worries of this team well, until Damari Monsanto was going to come back fully healthy was going to be the spacing of this team. You looked at, I said it here, I said, it on, I said it multiple places, but you looked at it and you go, okay, well, Hunter and Cam were both not exactly three-point shooters in the last couple of years. They weren't. Afton Reed, you know, he can shoot threes, even though it, right now it looks like F10 is more confident shooting his three than Cam is, and that's that's you know that's a problem. But you know, and and Kevin Miller, he's not boopy until he plays well again, by the way, at least to me. But and Kevin, you know, he's he's playing up a level, he's a little undersized, like like you know, could he get a shot off? You know, they they were going to be issues spacing the floor until Cam and Hunter took that next step. And they took that next step, and that's why you saw them go on that massive nine-game winning streak against like a good team like Florida who just got a Q1A win, right? So it was against Kentucky who was down two of their best players, but hey, wins a win, chalk it up on the scoreboard, baby. You know, they beat a, a, a UVA who looks good now, who looks good. Virginia Tech looks all right. But they went through and beat these teams because they were playing well. That's just, a, sometimes it's that simple, but they were playing well. You know, now you have Cam with an injury and he just, you know, he's he's having to adjust his game, but him him basically not being a not being a threat to shoot the shoot from three reverts back to that worry that I had of, you know, now you know people don't really have to respect him shooting from three, like at all. You know, but I don't really know what more you do about that and um, until Parker and it's always kind of awkward sometimes when you mention someone's names in a not fun light and the parents reach out i'm always i love parents always reach out i love answering questions for them they're they're going to be protective of their children as a parent should be it's always awkward when it's like you you reset someone say someone's in like a little bit of a funk funk or hit a wall and like a parent reaches out it's like ah there's not really a way to respond to this that makes anyone happy here so not going to do that but parker I, i think parker has been more in a funk in terms of like mentally i think they're all working hard the thing with Parker is he's got to shoot. I, 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 don't, I don't really care too much about him going one for six on Wednesday. I am encouraged by him shooting six, six threes. I am so encouraged about him doing that. 
I, it looked like, and there was some flu. There, I don't know what was the flu, but people were sick. You know, Andrew Carr didn't practice from Saturday until the game. I wouldn't be shocked if Parker was one of the guys sick because he looked like he had no legs underneath him that entire time. But the thing with Parker is, you know, he's already getting twenty-ish minutes, and if if there were someone to have the you know Bobby Clintman jump from last year, it's him because remember Bobby was playing like twenty plus minutes before before Damari went down so I don't know why I ever saw that sentiment of like well Bobby came out of nowhere Bobby was playing a ton Parker has a chance to really kind of elevate this team and be a good piece and a really really good piece until Damari gets healthy because he can space the floor but he can't be afraid to shoot like there there were times against against uh UNC where you were just like Parker Buddy, I need you to I need you to take a couple of these threes. Same thing against NC State. I need you to, I need you to take these shots. Like they don't need they don't need to be wide WAO for you to take these shots. I know it's not so it's not necessarily the best shot, but sometimes like look, keep them honest. You know, they need to respect that you can do that when you're not wide open. You, I don't you you're not gonna be Damari and can pull it up from literally anywhere on the court. Maybe you can, you know, prove us, see what happens there, but you need to keep them honest. But you're not going to be able to, you know, you're you're kind of reverting back to the problem of, you know, Hunter is still, is still shooting about 41%. But you you are essentially losing a f- almost 43% shooter on four attempts a game in Cam, like not being able to shoot from three. That's a problem. Like that's a limit. That's a, that's a problem. But I think the slump might honestly be more prevalent in Kevin Miller because, you know, his five, so I, I pulled some, I pulled the stats. So the five games against Virginia Tech, Boston College, Miami, FSU, and UVA, Kevin was shooting 33 for 68, which is 48.5%. And that includes an eight, and includes a four for 14 shooting against Virginia Tech. Like he shot terrible against Virginia Tech, but was still shooting about 50% from the field. The last four games, for for Kevin, he shot one for six, one for two, three for five, one for uh, gee, that's Parker. Uh, he sh- he has shot a grand total of four for eight, two for twelve, three for seven, three for twelve, all for a whopping total of twelve for thirty nine from the field, thirty point seven percent. Over the last four games, Kevin has shot thirty point seven percent. That's not good, especially on that much volume. Like he's taking a ton of shots and he's just not making them. And that's like, that's an issue. Like that's an issue. And then, you know, you could afford one of cam, especially with Jamari out. You could afford one of cam and boopy Kevin to be bad or, and, or hurt. You could afford one of those things. It happens. Everyone's not going to make it through the season 100% healthy. That's life. I don't know how many teams can afford to sit here and have two of their starters hurt. That is the problem. And it doesn't mean that it's supposed to be this excuse that's like, oh, yeah, you know, I feel better about that. I feel great. No, it's more of this is what's happening. There are two reasons why this team is, is is doing what they're doing right now. One of them is their their guard death is hurt. It's hurt and just ineffective right now. You have 
one, you have how many guards? You have one in, in Kevin, two in, in Cam, three in Hunter, four in Parker, five in Damari, six in Aaron Clark, seven in Chow, and eight in Bravo. You have eight guards on a team that you have 13 scholarships. It's a little, little high, but, you know, three spots to two, whatever. Now you have, you know, when you have, whether it's football, basketball, baseball, tennis, you're going to have people on your roster that just are not ready to help you that year. Uh, there was a discussion. I don't like calling it art because I thought it was actually a very good discussion that I had for someone yesterday where they were essentially posing the, the thought process of if you have some people on your bench that aren't helping you, you know, you're wasting spots. And it's like, that's not exactly true because some people just aren't ready to help you. That's just, you understand that going into it. They understand that going into it. You know, they're still working their, their tails off to become playable in practice and everything. But you understand that there's just a couple people on your bench that just are not going to help you from, from year to year. Like, and Right now, that looks like Aaron Clark and Bravo. Those those are like the two guys that going into it, okay, cool. We have out of our eight guys, two of them, they're going to just be kind of next year guys and we'll we'll cross that bridge to get there, but they're just not ready right now. It's, every team does it. So that's just that every team does. So now you're down to six. Now you have Damari who, you know, could only really play 14 minutes and he only played 10 on Wednesday. How many minutes is Damari going to get, you know, kind of ramping things up and it. And that, those 10 minutes look rough. Like he hit a three and, you know, he, he took an early one and looked like, looked fine, made all three free throws. He looked awful defensively. Like he looked like a, he looked like a traffic cone out there. You know, how much of that is the knee? How much of that is just getting his confidence back? How much of that is just, you know, that's just who we kind of might be right now. I don't know, but yeah, he looked, he looked, unplayable like Damari looked unplayable in that game and I that's why I don't think he got more than 10 minutes because I don't know if I don't think it was the knee hurting him I think he was just kind of unplayable at that point and so now you're down to five out of, out of your eight and you're like okay well that's bad now you have Jao Tuka who is out for the year you know it, it was a mutual decision that he's going to take his minute that he's going to take his red shirt and you know, just not play this year he's just not that he just could not recover from how far behind he was with this injury now you're down the four now now half of your of your stuff is just, of your guards are just gone like gone or one of them is just very limited so now you're down to kevin cam hunter and parker so out of your four now one of them is hurt with a wrist injury and one of them is, is being ineffective i don't really know how much more death you could have had than eight guards and I'll, and I'll get to that in a second, but like you had eight guys and now you're down to like two that are actually playing well. That's a, that's, that's tough to deal with. I don't really know what you do with that. And again, it's not one of those things to make you feel better. It's one of those things of, okay, I understand why this is happening, but you can also see why, you know, and if you were on the message, you were on the message boards, you know, uh, digest during the summer, you no, know, you knew that Wake Forest was going after a guy like DJ Horn. They were like, they they wanted, they were like, hey, look, we're we want to bring you in. We I know we don't have scholarships, but we're going to make things work. And you can kind of see why. And I want to be very careful about this. I'm, I'm being very respect. I'm trying to be very respectful of it. It's not Zhao's fault that this team is exactly you know has flailed the last few games. It's not 
It's not Zhao. You are the cause of this at all. But the best ability is availability. And I think Forbes had confidence in Kevin or else he wouldn't have made a beeline to his home to get him out of the portal the second he hit it. But, you know, it, it made some people feel a little bit uneasy when they were like, when, when we reported that he was going after a horn and, you know, he was looking into a couple of guard targets and you were kind of seeing why, because, you know, you, you have Kevin making that jump in, you know, in both competition and just size in general, like he's making that, he's making that jump. Sometimes that road isn't going to be easy because it looks just like a slump right now. It doesn't look like that's just going to be who he is, but it looks like he's in a, just a slump right now, but you don't really have anyone to bench him for because Jow's hurt. And so your only other option right now is kind of, and especially with Cam hurt as well, your only other option to really have a ball handler is Hunter. And so you can bench Boop, you can bench Kevin and have point Hunter. But then it gets back to the, you know, Parker, I need you to be able to space the floor or, you know, Damari, like, can you play more than 10 minutes without like your knee exploding right now? So you're you're really in a rock and a hard place. And so that's whenever I saw like the deaf stuff and I go, you had eight guys. I don't know how many more guards you could you could have gotten. Like two, like one or two of them weren't gonna play in general. Like that's just how sports works. One or two of them are just not gonna play. It's just an accepted thing. Is it an is it an inefficiency? I think so, but it's an inefficiency that every single coach around the country and every sport does. So it's just how those things work. I don't really know how much more depth you could have there. Second reason why they're not really playing well is just it's it's the offense. And it kind of stems from, number one, it stems from the guards. It stems, like, I, I've seen the sentiment that, you know, offensively, like, like Wake runs, like, a ton of sets, but it ends up in, like, an ISO. And it's like, what are, what are people doing? And it's like, like, what are the plays being called? It's like, I... If you th- honestly, if you honestly and earnestly think that the plays the plays are being called are, hey, everyone kind of run around and it ends up with Hunter Iso or Kevin Iso or Cam Iso, I don't really know what to tell you. That's just not what those what those plays are. A lot of what I've seen a lot of last couple of games, last couple of losses, I should say, is, and you can see it very clearly a few times in the pit game. You could see how Steve was just was was calling a play and then Kevin or Cam what it, it happened to both of them are like just kind of just like kind of fumble it a little bit and just like oh no what am I doing what am I doing what am I doing and you can see it like Forbes just kind of lose it and just go like what are you doing out here and you know there was one where he Hunter's kind of coming around Hunter's not expecting the ball like at all but Kevin passes it to him and then you're like, and then you can see Forbes like, like, what are you doing? Thankfully enough, Hunter is a freak and was able to get to the ball and, you know, reset the play a bit. But like, that's, that's where I'm like, okay, like your sets are, I don't even know what you're running half the time because Cam and Kevin can't sit here and get you in your sets. Like, that's a problem. Like, that's a problem because, the, and then it, it's a similar issue to what we had in football this year where you had guys that, either didn't know what the play was being called or were fumbling it and just being like, okay, I don't know what's happening here. Oh, I'm going to do this and just do the wrong thing. If one person does the wrong thing, it all breaks down. 
And that's what you have right now is you have someone doing the wrong thing and it just completely breaks down. Like, and then you end up turning it over and it's, then it's just speeding up. And that's one of the biggest things is your offense is still has been really, really, really good this year. It has been like, you are averaging over a point per possession on offense. Like you are in the 93rd percentile. Like you have been very, very good offense. The problem has been when you've had these crappy possessions because someone wants to put their head down or someone is pissed. There's another way to say it, pissing down their leg and just not being able to do anything because then it, it affects their defense. When you look at the defensive numbers per synergy in the half court, Wake Forest is, is allowing 0.873 points per possession. That is a it, you know, it's in the percentile wise, it's not, it's like fine. I think it's like 50th, 55th percentile. You know, there are teams that are just absolute, just slogs and allow no points, but I, but you're allowing under a point, like well under a point per possession. That's very good. Like, there's not a way for you to frame that and say, well, this, there is, if you sat there and told someone you're going to allow 0.873 points per possession, you, you've run with that. The problem with them has been in transition. They're allowing 1.033 points per, um, points per possession in transition defense. That is something Steve Forbes said at the beginning of the year was going to be a problem with them. It is said during the year is going to be a problem with them and is a problem with them right now. They have been absolutely atrocious in transition defense. The problem with them has not been in the half court. RJ Davis aside, you know, ACC, ACC player of the year, national player of the year contender. I do not care about that. I could not care less about that. What has happened to them in the NC State game? What has happened to them in the Florida State game? And what has happened to them in the Pitt game? They have been getting caught in transitions. And it's not just turnovers. It's having crappy offensive possessions because Kevin and Cam are sitting here freaking out. That in it, and it's, I really do not want to put anything on, you know, a couple specific players, but it is very, very clear right now that those two players are hurting them. Are they going to snap out of it? I think so. But right now, those two players are hurting them with just bad possessions and they're getting in transition and they are getting cooked in transition. It was a worry this entire year. And it's rearing its ugly head, and everyone's like, "What?" And I, not everyone, because I, I can't say everyone, but I've seen some. I've seen a, a ton of sentiment of we need to change the defense. They're 65th in Ken Palm defense right now. They are that. That is in. I am completely fine with that. It, most people, if you told me pre-flop, anyone that said, "Hey, Wake Forest is going to be 65th in, in effective defense," I'd be like, "Oh yeah, well, Wake's Wake's doing well. We're fine." It's not because of their half-court defense. Their half-court defense is just fine. They are just miserable in transition defense. They need to have more quality possessions. When they have quality possessions, they have been very, very good. When they sit here and freak out, that is when things start breaking down because they get into transition and they give up an easy basket. They sit there and they're like, they're scrambling. Okay, who's guarding who? They don't really know what's going on here. And, you know, and everyone can't, you can't be good at everything. I they just, just can't be. That's their one weakness. Everyone has a weakness. That's fine. That's their one, that's their kryptonite is being in transition. They are just very bad at it from the defensive side of things. They have got to have more quality possessions. And that's where my disappointment with Cam lies. 
And, you know, I think Cam is going to be able to snap out of this. I think Cam was going to become a better person from this, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I think, you know, he's not exactly, he's just, his mental state is not in the best place right now. So I don't want to rag too hard on him. But the biggest thing that this team has lacked right now is just is, is, is leadership on the court. It's, it's just on the court. It was very, very telling in that first half that they were playing extremely well. You know why they were playing extremely well? Because one of their captains was playing point guard. That captain just happened to be seven foot tall. Efton Reed was essentially the point guard that entire first half. And it also speaks to how this offense works of if you have a good point guard, as we've seen in the last couple of years, this offense is going to haul no matter what you do. And that's been the problem the last couple of games that they haven't really had a point guard and things had to break down. Efton was acting like a pretty solid point guard for them out of the post. All of a sudden, their offense looks extremely better. They got away from that a little bit in the second half. And I also thought that, you know, Pitt made some adjustments that really kind of affected Efton being the point guard, which I thought made some adjustments to try and say, hey, you know, Kevin, you play, you you finished that first half well. And then he picked up another foul and it was like, crap, we, we can't really do a ton here. With, with you having three fouls, but, you know, that was one of the things, like, you got caught of, like, you got caught in foul trouble, and then, you know, there were times Kevin just dribbled it off himself a couple times. Like, you know, he dribbled off himself a couple times. He had a possession where he tried to hit a, hit a, fa- hit a nice pass to Efton down low, and, and it gets, gets slapped away, taking another way for a score. Like, but that's where I need someone like Cam. It's like, look, I understand the risk is, is, is awful, and I understand your confidence isn't there. You can see the body language, and it's not great. You need him to take that step in being a leader right now. You need him to take that step and be like, "Hey, look, we're we're going to write the ship, and I'm gonna I'm gonna calm everyone down. I might not be the person scoring twenty points right now, but I'm gonna help people calm down when when things start getting this frantic and everyone's just kind of not everyone, but like you have you know Kevin freaking out over here." You're a captain and you're someone that has been on, you're the person that's been on this team the longest out of every single one of these players. You have been here the longest. You are supposed to be the embodiment of this, you know, GGTT. You were voted a captain by your peers for a reason. And that's why I also don't really expect it from Hunter because not that I know, not that I think they don't believe in him being a, a leader. Hunter is just a more quiet person. He is a lead by example sort of guy and, He's someone that's just, you know, he can he can be animated on the court, but it not everyone's built to be a leader. That's okay. Not everyone's cut out to be a leader. And not everyone's cut out to be like the person that everyone's like, hey, I'm gonna rally around that guy. It happens. It's it doesn't mean anything bad about them. Everyone loves Hunter. Hunter's the best talent on the team. It's fine. Cam is supposed to be one of the leaders of this team. And outside of him, Carr and and what was he with him, Carr and Efton being the captains. Cam is supposed to be like, like Cam needs to be that person that is being loud and be like, hey, we need to get our, you know, what together. That's what I need from Cam. I don't care about you scoring points. I care about you playing defense and I care about you going out there and being leader. That the body language with him has been, has been rough and his teammates have done a good job of trying to pick him up. And you can see it every time he gets a foul or like, you know, the shot doesn't fall. Like there's times he had some, you know, some, the Cam Hildreth one-on-ones and like Cam Hildreth fast breaks. And he just kind of goes and like, 
like, oh, here it goes. And you put it like, hey, you got you getting a solid shot and it just doesn't fall. And you could just see the you could see the confidence just draining from him. Like you need to get him, like he needs to have more confidence and we need to build more confidence. Like we've got to be able to build him up more confidence. And he's got to be that leader this team needs. Like this team needs to have someone that's just going to basically say, hey, we're not going to allow this to happen. And that's where I, and that's kind of where I'm like, hey, like, this isn't necessarily a coaching thing. This is the players. Players got to play better and they got to just accept it. The biggest, one of the biggest reasons why is because I don't over, I I don't overrate coaching. I think one of the biggest things we do is we overrate coach and we go like, oh my God, that's, that's such a great coaching job, this and that. A very good example right now is right down, right up the road in Charlottesville, UVA. UVA had, the worst home road splits I had ever seen outside of maybe Utah this year, but they had some of the worst home road splits I've seen. And now all of a sudden you look at UVA basketball, they've climbed from under 500 conference play, you know, last two and a half weeks, they've gotten five straight wins. You know, they went out and they beat Georgia tech on the road, which, you know, isn't a slouch given UNC went in there and took a loss. You know, they beat Virginia at home. Um, excuse me, they they beat Virginia Tech at home. Uh, they beat NC State. They went to Louisville. You know, Louisville's not great, but they that first half was an ass kicking, and they they avenged the loss that they had. Um, they avenged the loss that they had in terms of Notre Dame, where you know Notre Dame they went up to South Bend and got their teeth kicked in and. They came back and they kind of get the crap out of uh, another day on Wednesday. And there was an article out about that. I think it was Greg Medea who put it, who put it together and you read through it. And it's not from what everyone's saying, both the coaches and the players, it wasn't Tony Bennett found this secret sauce to put together. In fact, like Tony Bennett was like, look, I didn't change a whole bunch of stuff up. In fact, I I sat here and just we dug more into what we were doing. We simplified things on both ends and just demanded more. What happened was the players. Reese Beekman said it himself. The players had a couple of team meetings like by themselves. They had a couple of players and said, look, this is on us. We got to do this. The players have to take accountability. That's not that's why I'm like, this isn't a, you know, Steve Forbes has to sit here and rally them and yes he does need to, he does need to you know coach and there, there are some things i think he could do better but this is on this is on the players man the players have your players have to play well your players have to play well they need to sit here and accept that that is not acceptable and say that it's not acceptable and turn it around it's not on anyone else it's on them they've got to be steve forbes can say something until he is blue in the face Dan Hurley can come in and say, and, and say, you know, this is what we're doing. And, and it does not matter unless these players are playing well and they're not playing well right now. And it's specifically two different people that have really, really hurt them right now. And whether either those, those two have to get better, Damari's got to get a little healthier. I, I don't know, but like they've, they've got to figure this out and it's going to be on the players to figure this out. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So finally, I can kind of kick things over to Syracuse. You know, I've talked 30 minutes just about just the state of Wake Forest and, you know, kind of before I get to Syracuse, you know, someone did ask me a question about what I thought the roster was going to be like next year. I mean... I've, I kind of touched on it a little bit in the mailbag last week, but yeah, I I don't see a path to Jow being on this team next year. You know, I, I I think that mutual red shirt might be a you know we want to help you, you want to help you. Let's let's save your save your year, make you a little bit more appeasable to people at a different level, at a different place. You know, I'm not privy to those conversations, but reading the tea leaves that very much seem like this might be the end of Jalatuka's tenure at Wake Forest. You know, maybe he surprises us and stays, but it feels more and more like this is the end of that era. I don't see how Matthew March is on the scene next year, to be quite honest. I really don't. Zach Keller, I mean, he's regressed. And, you know, I, I think Steve is going to be honest and say, you know, 
we are going to bring in another big from the portal because I, a freshman big doesn't fix the, doesn't fix your backup big issues, by the way. It, it just doesn't. So I don't, if, if, if someone puts out, well, why aren't they recruiting a big in high school for a, fr- you really want to bring in a, f- a freshman big next year. And then you have to figure out minutes again, when especially Afton and, and Carr both are out of eligibility, you don't have a chance to bring them back. It's just, Hey, hope you, hope you did well, freshman. Hope you learn. I think they'll go after a portal big and, you know, we'll go from there. Man, I think he'll talk. I think it'll be a very honest conversation between the coaches and that Keller and being like, Hey, you know, we're going to bring someone in. If that, if you think that's enough for you to transfer, you know, we'd still love to have you here, but if you think you fit somewhere else and would like to have an opportunity to have more minutes somewhere else, because we can't guarantee you minutes right now, we can bring in as much competition as possible and you know if that if that hasn't transferred, it hasn't transferred. But I don't see a way they they get out of this portal season without bringing in a younger portal big. Hunter and Amari are the two ones that you're like, all right, here we go. Because I because especially with the injury to Cam, I don't necessarily think he leaves. Like I think the injury to Cam makes him stay that uh, one more year. I saw. I mean, there was a there was someone that had the, the original question came from someone that was like, well, is Kevin Miller going to leave? And I'm like, leave to go where? That whatever he's put on tape this year is not good enough to go anywhere. And I think Carr is just kind of one of those guys that just stays. Like he's not he I think he stays for his fourth year. Then after that goes to Europe or something like that. I think Carr is I like Carr. I think he's a good player, but I think he's that kind of in between of like the NBA and like not nah, I think Europe would be fine if he wants to pursue that option. But I don't think he was jumping at I don't think he's chomping at the bit to do that. Hunter and Amari. Pre-flop, preseason, I was I was very much Hunter's one and done, Hunter's one and done. And even like as wins and losses came, I was like, still think Hunter's one and done. Not exactly sure on that. I would still lean to him being done. But I because I mean it the age is is a is a factor here too. I mean, he's I think he's already 21. I need to check that, but I think he's already 21. I can see value in him going. It's a it's a it's a weak draft. Like it's a it's a weak draft. There's not and and I don't mean weak in terms of these players are bad. It's weak in terms of if you were looking for an absolute superstar, there's no Wimby, there's no Zion, there's no like that that high 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 like can't miss prospect isn't there. But there's a lot of good value in this, and so I think it's going to really depend a lot on how the rest of the season finishes for Hunter. Like if he absolutely explodes, I could see like he's gone. Because but the thing with Hunter right now is like everyone knew he was an insane athlete. You know the three point shooting proven is a very good thing for his draft prospects, but he hasn't handled the ball all that much. Like as a, like a primary as a primary guy, so it's like a, you know how sustainable is this jump in three point shooting? Like is that just a one year thing? The defense has been there and it's been solid. I think there are ways it could be better, but I think, you know, it's been solid, at least from a draft perspective. So I think there are both pros and cons to him coming back. I don't think this is one of those things that is like Jake, where, you know, everyone was like, oh, wow, you're really good. And you're only like, what, 19 or something. Yeah, we can, we'll take, we'll take a first round shot on you. And I don't, I don't see him having the the Bobby Clintman random agent that makes him leave. That, that was awful. I, 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 it's tough to see Damari back next year. 
just for the simple fact of just like, what else does he have to show? You know, he, I equated him to Donovan green because it's just a, you have some good film on you. Like, you know, the, the one hard part about you is you haven't done it for an entire year, but do you want to run the risk of, do you want to run the risk of like getting hurt again? You know, I don't think there's a way to hurt your stock in terms of your play, but like it, it's more so just getting hurt again. So I would lean him being gone after this year. And, you know, I think that was probably the most likely sort of thing, especially now that he's gotten his degree. And that was something that was very, very important to him and his mother. But yeah, so that's, that's kind of where I would, I would lean on those as it stands on February 2nd. So when it comes to Syracuse, they are a really, really weird team. Their non-conference was interesting. Um, but and I was looking through it on tour, but just preparing my notes for this. You know, if you look at their their stats from the non-conference to the to the conference, like you know, you, if you look at the stats in the totality right now, they are 160th in, in adjusted offense and 27th in adjusted defense in the nation. But then you look at it, just conference play alone. And they're th- and then, and their numbers skyrocket. Like their adjusted offense goes from uh it's about the same actually. It's about one oh it was one oh six point three with everything intact, one oh six point five of just ACC, ACC stats. Uh their defense though is the weird one. They go from ninety-five point nine just defense to ninety-eight, which is seventy-eight, which is me, which is seventh in the ACC. Not great, not terrible, but it's a whole lot better than that, a lot worse than that number they were putting out there at first. They force a lot of turnovers. Like that's something that hasn't changed in, you know, in whether you look at it with all of the all of the stats, all the games included, or just ACC. They force a lot of turnovers. They don't really turn the ball over a ton. They don't rebound well at all. That's just been a thing. Uh, they don't, I don't, they don't have a ton of size on this team, which I don't know. I don't know if that's surprising or not, but they, uh, the way this, this team is constructed, it's not a, it's not a very, very large team. I'll say, I'll say that just looking at their roster, you know, they have what William Patterson, who's a freshman and he's seven foot two, but has not logged a single minute in this year. Uh, they have Nahima McLeod from, uh, he was an FSU transfer, logged about 14 minutes a game, but I, I think he might be hurt because the last time he, I haven't checked on that, but I think the last time he's played was against Duke on January 2nd. You've got, I believe, a walk-on in, uh, I don't know, actually, I don't know if Peter Carey's a walk-on, but Peter Carey's, you know, 6'11", played a few minutes. I saw him had like four points in four minutes. Doesn't really do a ton at his 6-11, they, they don't have a ton of size. And so their only real, like, height they have is, quote-unquote, you know, 6-9 Benny Williams. That's that's really uh, that's really about it. Uh, Hema plays about probably three minutes a game or so. Yeah, they don't have a ton of size. And you know what happens when you don't have a ton of size? You give up a ton of rebounds. They're 12th in the ACC in offensive rebound rate, which is not great. Uh, and they're 13th in the ACC in defensive rebounding rate. They give up a, a ton of boards. They're just not a large team. 
that also parlays itself into where people score on them. They are 13th in two point percent percentage, uh, two point percentage allowed. Like they are the worst team in the ACC, excuse me, the second, third worst team in the ACC in allowing two pointers. People can just kind of bang inside with them if they have a solid big post and like go off against them. But McLaughlin sure did. And, you know, it's been a thing of people have teams have gone, uh, gotten to this sort of thing against Syracuse where if you fall in love with the three against them, they'll just cook, they'll cook you because they're a fast team. They get out and they're, they want to force you into those threes. But if you're someone that's kind of banging in inside or just, or whether it's, you know, F10 or Andrew Carr or Hunter Salas kind of getting, getting to the rack, even Boopy for even Kevin for, for a bit, they just give up a ton of twos. They just not, they just don't have the size to disrupt them. It's kind of like Wake Forest was last year, only I think a bit worse because at least Andrew Carr was like 6'11, <laughs> 6'10, 6'11. They don't really have anyone that big to deter you. And so, you know, I think this is a game where you definitely, especially now that, you know, Carr is healthy enough to practice. I'm sure they got back and, you know, yesterday and today are, are practicing. And I'm sure Andrew is, you know, not sick anymore. This is a game where Efton and Efton and Carr, I think, need to touch the ball as much as humanly possible. Now, you know, I don't think you need to absolutely force everything and just say and you know, get turnovers that way. But those two and Hunter should and Hunter driving should be a huge part of your offense. Still move the ball around, be fine, but you have a very very clear advantage here. They didn't give up a ton of threes in the non-con. And I, I mentioned that teams kind of get happy, kind of happy with that. Uh, their three-point percentage allowed was 31.7% overall. But when you just limit it to conference play, it's 35.85%. Um, that means that they were, that people are, are doing better. But again, you can't just, just fall in love with that. They don't really take a ton of threes. and They don't really make a ton of threes. Uh, their three-point percentage is 30.5% in the ACC. Um, just, and overall it's 32%. You know, it's, you know, it's 251st nationally. They do not take a ton of threes and, I, and they're 14th in the ACC in conference play in three-point percentage. So, I mean, it's a, you got to stop them from getting to their spots, but they also haven't been great when they've gotten their spots. They're, 199th in two point percentage nationally all year. And then if you limit it to ACC play, they're 10th at 49.1%. They they don't really score. Like this, they this is the first team in a in a long while that just doesn't sweep. Like, like even in, like NC State is a better offensive team than than them by the numbers. Both both as as an overall thing and also in ACC play, like and like they are just a not great offensive foot team, and I think it makes sense because I mean you look at their team and it's Judah Mintz, you know he's really really good, he's a draft pick, and then you hope you get something out of you know like uh, a youngish guy in JJ Starling. You know, Starling's going to get probably 15-ish points. He's averaging, he's averaging 12.7, but I don't, I think you can pencil in for somewhere between 14 to 16 points. 
it's can you get something out of him and can you get something out of either Kadir Copeland or Malik Brown? Like they don't really have a ton of options here where you're like, okay, this is this is where exactly where this ball is gonna go. It's they don't really shoot that well. And so they don't shoot that well. They don't they haven't really defended that well, even from a not advanced stat metric. They're the fourth worst scoring defense in conference play, and they're the third worst in field goal percentage allowed. It this is one that it adds up, and you kind of go, okay, like I can see how what Wake's path is to to win it here. And there's not really a huge discrepancy between the turnovers, both home and away. I mean, not home and away, from them winning and losing. I think it's thirteen point five in their in their wins, excuse me, in their losses, and then fourteen point six in games that they win. 13 to 14 turnovers is kind of negligible with each other. I don't really see that there's too much value there. The biggest thing I'll kind of leave on is this. Wake Forest is 11-1 and as a favorite this year. Not just Vegas, but also with advanced metrics, Torvik and Ken Palm. They are 11-1 and as an outright, as a betting and advanced metric favorite. You know, on the other side of that, that means that they are one in six as a as an underdog. That that one that's missing is Miami. Miami was a pick 'em, but yeah. So they are they have very largely adhered to expectations. Not 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 large. They have to almost to the T that adhere to the expectations that have been put out there by them by both Vegas and advanced metrics. Those are kind of they they go hand in hand with each other, but they have differences from time to time when this game opens later today i expect wake forest to be somewhere around a six to eight point favorite i don't think anyone will bet it down honestly i think people might bet it up you if you hold on to this this sort of thing you know wake forest goes eight and three the rest of the year but i'm most of focusing on game by game you are favor. You should be favored the next two games. You should be favored uh, tomorrow by about six to seven points. Take care of business. Everyone's a little bit happier. Everything's not not fixed, but you feel better about it. And that's this is the one that I go is now you're in the can't lose. Like you are. This is like you have not a must win, but you can't lose this one. You, I don't think there's a way you can win this one. I mean, you can lose this one. It's a can't lose. It's a Q three right now. You got to go out there and and prove that you, if you want to be a tournament team, that's a game where you're like, look, I got to nut up and figure things out. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, good eeks.